It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special episode of The Real Forno Show. If you have been following along, I am very out on Hendon Hooker, so I brought in somebody smart to talk to me about him who is a fan, and that is Doug Farrar, the managing editor of Touchdown Wire. He is a believer, so we're going to pick his brain and get a sense of why he believes and why I should potentially change my mind. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show, managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire, betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website, publisher of Substack Run and Shooter, host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis. With me now, again, in the bottom right corner, is producer Dave. And to my left is the managing editor of Touchdown Wire and the author of the, the great book, The Genius of um, Desperation, is Doug Farrar. How you doing, my friend? Yeah, books over there. Hey, man. How's it going? Life is good. Um, we're really excited to talk to you about Hen and Hooker. You released an article for Touchdown Wire that was, um, one, hi- highly recommended by me. And two, I, I think it presents an argument that's much different than the one we've been talking about on this show, and it's why we wanted to have you on today. Um, one thing that really stood out to me kind of in your intro, um, you spoke with Greg Cosell, um, mm-hmm. uh, who of uh, NFL Films. He's, he's been around for a long time and is one of the – um, one of the most intelligent minds when it comes to breaking down film and something he said, I want to get your opinion on. Mm-hmm. He talks about it being more of a true air raid offense than most teams run in college football. Um, can you elaborate on that for me a little bit? Cause the way I view this offense is more of like a veer and shoot where 
I, I like when I think of true air raid, I think of Mike Leach. Like what? Like is, is Leach not running a true air raid? And this is a lot closer. This this element, I'm not 100 percent sure on. I think what Greg meant is more the dimensions of the offense than the system. I think what he okay. meant. I mean, it. I think I. Th- I can't get inside Greg's head. Um, but I've known Greg for a long time. He's kind of the godfather of what we do. <laughs> we wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for him. Um, I think what he meant to extrapolate what he told me at the combine when I talked to him about it is it's more about the dimensions of the offense and spreading people wide and then going full out. It's not a, you know, it's not mesh. It's not the typical air raid route concept you would think of. So if you want to think of it as a veer and shoot or, you know, just a, a lot of four verts wide. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that don't fall into the typical, you know, air raid category that this offense holds. Um, so I would say, I mean, the, the way I defined the article was to take Greg's quote and go from there and say, one, it's more about the width of the field and how you stretch a defense horizontally um, more than vertically. Uh, two, you have to separate Hooker from the offense in it because the offense is not transferable to the NFL in a mm-hmm. complete sense. Now, there are elements of it that are in the NFL. There are elements of it that the Vikings use and used especially mm-hmm. to beat the daylights out of the Packers in week one, and I'll get into that. Um, but you can't take that offense and just, you know, people have tried, obviously, and you know it works to a point. So I think my argument with Hooker is you have to separate the quarterback from the system and say, okay, the system is not necessarily transferable, but is the quarterback skill set transferable? And I think in, mm-hmm. I, I went deep into the kinds of throws that I think you need to make in the NFL. And you have more examples of them with hooker in, in, you know, in some cases than others, but I don't think there's any question that he in an offense that plays to, I guess we'll call it the stretch more than the spread, the way you're stretching a defense horizontally, you're creating impossible matchup situations, whether it's through alignment, whether it's through motion, whether it's through whatever. Um, I think Hooker can, you know, would I want him with the Titans? No. I think it'd be a waste. Would I want the Falcons? No. Bunch of two tight ends and, you know, five yards upfield. I wouldn't want him anywhere near Joe Lombardi, but I would say that of any quarterback. Um, you know, so my my primary argument we get into specifics was – Hendon Hooker's offense is not NFL transferable, but I think Hendon Hooker is. I find that interesting because I think one of the one of the issues I have with trying to project Hooker out is I obviously you know the offense isn't translatable as you said, and Josh Heupel is arguably the best play caller in college football, so he's yeah, presenting right very advent he's presenting very advantageous matchups in the Jalen Hyatt game against Alabama where he just yeah. spammed him against Demarco Hellams for five touchdowns. Like that, and by the way, a, and by the way, Josh Hubel is doing his job. His job is not to prepare his players for the NFL. His job is to win college mm-hmm. football. That's you know, and, that's and he was he was great at doing so. And it's but when I try to project somebody out, I don't necessarily hold it against them that they're in an offense like that. So what I try to do is I try to see okay, what is translatable about what he's doing, and just because he hasn't been able to do it doesn't mean he can't at the next level, but. And you uh, spent quite a bit of time talking about that in one of the one of the sections of your article. And the biggest question that I have is field field reads and progressions. I mm-hmm. 
did not see evidence on film of him making NFL style reads and progressions. He was doing it similar to what Sam Howell was doing coming out last year. He was looking at a safety. The safety was going to tell him what he was going to do pre-snap. And then he would only have to really focus on one side of the field. How do you contextualize Hooker not really having to make full field reads and what he's going to have to do in the NFL where that is commonplace? Um, well, I would, I would dispute the idea that he never did it. I, the, I, okay. my article of him doing it, um, of doing more than just this half or that half. Um, and I think in an NFL where it is more quick game, uh, there is more of that, you know, you're reading aside, not every quarterback in the NFL has a full field read ability. A lot of guys are see it and throw it. You can win a Super Bowl with guys who are see it and throw it. Um, you know. So I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I would think that maybe you and I place different levels of value on that. Not that I'm discounting it. It's obviously important. There are quarterbacks in this class who can't do it. Hello, Will Levis. And that's a problem. Um, but I don't, I guess I would, when I went into that, because it was one of the things I looked at, I wanted to find enough examples of him waiting for a receiver to come open. That was my big thing because the argument with that offense is everyone's always open all the time. Okay. Well, that's true to a point, but it's not all the time. Nothing is ever just the one thing. Um, And what I was looking for was, okay, he's got to wait for a receiver to come open. He's got to wait for a route to develop. He's got to go from his first read to his second read. How does he do that? And I saw some field crossing reads where he went from one seam to another are there as many elements of that as there would be in C.J. Stroud's offense? No, because they're two completely different offenses. But I wouldn't say just because he didn't do it all the time doesn't mean he can't do it at all. And I saw enough examples where that could be developed. And you know how it is with college quarterbacks. You don't always get what you would like to get when you're trying to evaluate them. C.J. Stroud mm-hmm. said at the Combine that he had wanted to run and be more mobile. And Ryan Day just said, no, you're not always going to see. I remember um, when DK Metcalf came out and oh, horrible three cone and he can't run a slant. He was running angular routes all over his tape in, in his final college season. They just didn't throw it to him. So I, I'm always careful to say that a guy can't do something. I'm more in the, you know, in the mold of what can he do now? Some guys I'll put their tape on and just like, uh, this is kind of hopeless. This is not good. Um, and some guys just can't do certain things. Hooker's college experience does not preclude me from saying that he can't make those reads. That That's the best way to put it. I'm not saying he did it all the time. I'm not saying he's going to ever be a Philip Rivers as far as just going and, you know, everything's just there. Mm-hmm. But I'm not um, I'm not inclined to just disassociate him from an ability to do that. Okay. Once again, um, NFL offense with NFL coaching, and well, this is how we do it here. You know, do I think he might want to sit for a year? Uh, maybe. I, I think that'd be a good idea. Do I think in the right kind of offense he could start right away and be okay? Also, yes. But I would like to see him. I think he's a well. He's going to sit anyway because he's recovering from the ACL. But I'd love to see him sit behind a Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins. Uh, I know, you know, uh, Derek Carr with the Saints, uh, Baker Mayfield. That'd be interesting. <laughs> him hanging out with Baker Mayfield. But I would like to see him sit for a year and sort of learn the way the NFL does things. But I don't 
see any real problems with NFL concepts to the point where I go, yeah, he can't do this. How do you quantify the age thing? And I, I, I think there's many layers. There's mer- many layers to the argument, and I kind of want to hear your thoughts on a full spectrum because it's not just that he's 25 years old. He's also coming off the ACL, which uh, yeah. as far as ACLs go, I don't really care about that in a vacuum, but I think mm-hmm. it, it kind of compiles on everything. And during his college career, they replaced him with Braxton Burmeister at Virginia Tech. He really didn't do a whole lot as far as being impressive. And then he didn't even win the job at Tennessee. He lost it to Joe Milton and then ended up taking over um, early on in the 2021 season. And he was he didn't really become a really good college player until he was 23 years old. With the full spectrum, how do you contextualize the age thing? And do you have any concerns with it moving forward? Uh, I don't contextualize the age, the age thing at all. I think in today's NFL, people are much teams are much more inclined to punt after the first contract than they used to be. I don't think it's an automatic that it's a you know it's a failure unless this guy goes into his third contract with us. I think teams are much more flexible about that for a number of reasons. Um, quarterbacks are also playing you know later into their careers. I'm in Seattle. I just watched Geno Smith become a good quarterback in his 30s. You know, you, you, it happens when it happens. I don't really care how or when. I just want to know that and why. And, you know, the fact that he took some time to develop, I don't really, um, as long as it's sustainable and it's not completely dependent on external factors, which I don't think in his case it is, that, that doesn't mean a lot to me. Um, the ACL thing, I mean, he doesn't have a history of injury. He's a pretty mobile guy. He will use his legs. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, you know, am I 10% worried about that? Maybe, but I don't, the age thing, and it's all people want to talk about. Um, I don't really, it's not a big deal to me. Do you think you'd have a better opinion of him if he was younger? Playing like he is now at like 21? Uh, yeah, sure. Because then you're talking about a prodigy. Then you're talking about a guy who can run, uh, you know, a, a whole lot of stuff at a really high level, um, you know, at a very young age. I mean, that would, it's a good question. Um, I think it would affect my opinion positively to a point, but again, if I'm, I don't know how much NFL teams are expecting the quarterbacks they draft to be with them in their second deals. We, we see this now with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Like how many times are you going to get that? I don't really, uh, you know, you might get the, the, Four-year deal, the fifth-year option, maybe a franchise tag, maybe it's six or seven years. Maybe you get that mm-hmm. second, but I don't think it's going to be as common as it used to be. So um, what I think differently of him were he younger, instead of anyone, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a guitar player playing amazing solos at 19. If he does it at 15, well, okay, wow, that's the thing. It's the same solo, and it's not like he's yeah. going to be worse at it five years from now. So uh, I guess the context is I don't care how he got it. I just care that he got it. And I want to know why he got it. And is it, you know, is it sustainable moving forward? Absolutely. So I, I want to explore this kind of deviate from the topic here. because I think you brought up a point that I thought Sean McVay would try to exploit at, at the end of Jared Goff's rookie contract. And that is I wrote like a 5,000 quarterbacks. You and I are totally on the same page here. <laughs> like, why don't you punt? So uh, do you do you think that this is going to become a trend? Um, obviously, if 
the Ravens aren't willing to sign a former MVP in Lamar Jackson to a big contract. And we can discuss the semantics of the contract and wanting more money than Deshaun Watson, X, Y, and Z. But do you think that this could be the start of teams actually willing to take those chances because of how much more valuable a rookie contract has become? I wrote about this right when they gave him the second contract. I'm like, wow, this is a real shock. Um, and I, I kind of turned it as the new money ball from the NFL. If teams do this, where you got a guy that high in the draft, and over the years you understand that the ceiling is very low. So, what do you do? Um, do you? And what they did was they extended because, well, Jared helped us to a Super Bowl, and he's our quarterback, and we need a quarterback. No, you need mm-hmm. a great quarterback. You need a system defining scheme transcendent quarterback who will just go out and kick everybody's ass. That's not Jared Goff. We, you know, you guys, uh, your team faces him twice a year. So, you know, the ceiling is right here. And if he's mm-hmm. in the right system, it's okay. Um, I would expect that if you're look at what um, Derek Carr, Josh McDaniels had one year with him. I always thought Derek Carr was a, an above average quarterback, but, you're not looking for above average quarterbacks anymore. You're looking for guys, especially in an era where you want trick shot artists who can run four fours and do it. It's why Anthony Richardson is so appealing because there's a quarterback we've never seen before, just from an athletic profile perspective. Um, I think unless the guy just defines a franchise in ways that are very hard to replace, I think teams will be more inclined to say, well, you know, maybe let's give him a year on the tag. Maybe we sign him to a shorter term deal because the problem with Lamar is not that he wants more money than Deshaun Watson. The problem with Lamar is he wants a guaranteed contract. That's never going to happen again. Yeah. You just put that in the bank. So um, I do think teams might be more inclined to do that. Let's get back to Hendon Hooker. There, there are two things I want to talk to you about, and then I want to be respectful of your time. Um, I want to talk about him under pressure because as much as he's a dual threat quarterback, I don't think he's a dual threat quarterback in a way like Lamar Jackson is in a way like Josh Allen is. He is. I can either kill you throwing the football or kill you running the football, but I'm not going to scramble and be able to create plays outside of structure in that context. If there's something's out there, he'll run straight ahead, but he doesn't throw on the run in that creative sort of fashion. Uh, how do you see that? And do you think he can really grow and develop that area? It was an area of some concern for me. I'm looking at his numbers here. Yeah. And he wasn't pressured a lot last year. I'm looking at sports info solutions database. Um, and all quarterbacks are worse under pressure, but he completed 23 of 50 passes under pressure last season for 269 yards, 216 air yards, one touchdown, one interception and 23 sacks. Um, what does that tell you? He's more inclined to, uh, take the sack than to make some crazy, ridiculous, you know, what are you doing throw? Uh, I'm looking at like Spencer Rattler. <laughs> Last year he had eight interceptions under pressure. That's not what you want. The one is okay. And the 23 sacks are just fine. We'll, we'll go that route. Yeah, he's not. Um, can he do like what CJ Stroud did in the Georgia game? Yeah, but he's not. he's not going to – I don't think he's a naturally explosive second reaction improviser as some quarterbacks are. I think he's good. My comp for him is new Geno Smith and Geno can run around. Geno can, you know, move in the pocket. 
I think Hooker's pocket movement is fine. It's not like Brady or Burrow level, but it's fine. But yeah, he's not. He has ways of evading pressure. Um, sometimes it's making a quick throw. Sometimes it's making a stick throw. Sometimes it's getting sacked. He has way. He's not hopeless under pressure, but he's not. He's not going to Mahomes you in a way that just you know. Okay, we can't blitz this guy because they'll just demolish us. Yeah, that that's kind of how I saw it too. I I thought it was really interesting the conversation around Hooker, at least before I watched him was, oh, he's a dual threat guy, but that's it's not always what it what it seems to be in well, the conversation. Let's 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 let, I remember when Jameis Winston came out of Florida State and people called him a dual threat guy. And I think we without saying it out loud, I think it's very clear that some people just look at a uh, particular pigmentation and assume dual threat. Jameis Winston is about as mobile as I am. <laughs> that was remember his Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, oh, I, I remember seeing that too. And, and by the way, Dwayne Haskins was R.I.P. Uh, horrible under pressure. Like you, yeah. you couldn't you couldn't roll him out. Um, but Hooker, yeah, the boot concepts. And if we're talking about the Vikings, obviously boot action, obviously motion to create openings. Um, I I can refer to. Uh, the week one of last season when the Vikings just whooped up on the Packers defense because the Packers were just doing this passive stuff. And Kevin O'Connell was motioning Justin Jefferson all over the place. And everyone was like, what? Oh, no, you can't do that. That's illegal. He's already good enough where he is. You can't move him around. Uh, By the way, Hooker, ton of motion, ton of play action. So both of those things. And he was very effective with both. So if the Vikings did take him, I think there are some systemic consistencies between what he was asked to do at Tennessee and what he would do in Minnesota that makes sense. It's not like, you know, he was running QB draw at Iowa and now they want him to run like a Patriots offense there. You know, there's, I, I, I go back to the idea that there's a lot that's transferable. Um, not that he's scheme transcendent. I don't know if there's any quarterback in this class who is, Um but I think, yeah, I think there's enough on the ball, uh, you know, responding to pressure, being athletic, but he's not, he's not that guy. He's not going, he's not Anthony Richardson. He's not Cam Newton. He's not Patrick Mahomes. And those quarterbacks are all athletic in very different ways, but he's not that guy. He's like the level below that, which is perfectly fine. Because at least last he, question, like, like Mac, jo- when Mac Jones came out of Alabama, like I don't know if this guy can make it in the NFL because he can't move outside the pocket. Yeah, that's not the that's not Hooker's issue. Last question for you, Doug, and then I want I want to get you out of here because I know you've got a busy day. In the quick game, I notice a lot of inaccuracies, and it's not necessarily inaccuracy, but really poor ball placement, making his receivers <laughs> difficult catches. And I notice some of that is just kind of from his mechanics. I noticed he likes to do this almost like a almost like a jump set where if he's facing one direction, he loves to jump and then just stands flat footed and doesn't move until he just has to throw the football. Uh, right. Do you have a lot of concerns with this quick game and some of those mechanics on those quick game throws? I go back to the 20 hour rule, which, of course, every college breaks. But um, I know and, and this 95 and I'll be doing. Uh, edge rushers after I finish my other position lists in, a, in about a week here. Nine out of 10 edge rushers that come out of college, defensive linemen that come out of college, don't know how to use their hands. And I go back to, okay, you only have so much time to drill things up. 
and you're not facing the kinds of people that you would in the NFL. So we can get by with this. Um, yeah, I would agree with that to a point. I, I think the whole jump set, he's probably not going to do that in the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of quarterbacks like to stand flat-footed when they throw short, and I think there's a fine balance with that. As opposed, like Richardson, just with Richardson, everything is a fastball, like everything. Um, mm-hmm. I think Hooker has some work to do in timing things up on short to intermediate. Yeah, sure. Um, I could see that a lot of quarterbacks, you know, he gets with a good. They're going to work with him on that. Uh, the mechanical stuff, they're going to work with him on that. I, you know, I haven't seen, I don't want to say hopeless, but I want to, you know, when I look at quarterbacks in this class who really have a lot of work to do, um, I don't see him as that. Now, is he better off in a, you know, like what the the track team that Mike McDaniel is trying to put together in Miami, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah. Then the aforementioned more limited offenses. Um, but yeah, I mean, you. we can talk about specific things. I think the overarching point I was trying to make is that, in my opinion, you can put Hooker in the right kinds of offenses in the NFL, maybe sit him for a year, and he'll be just fine. Awesome. Well, Doug, I really appreciate your time. I know you guys have a lot going on at Touchdown Wire. Um, where can the people find you, and what do you have going on? Yeah, you guys too. You guys are killing it over there. Um, doing my positional list now, put up a mock yesterday, and it's uh, the top safeties, top cornerbacks, top linebackers when I'm fi- finishing today. And we're just going position by position through all the draft prospects with advanced metrics and tape examples and all that stuff. So a lot of work, but a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm currently finishing up Dorian Thompson-Robinson right now, and I don't know how to feel about him. He is... <laughs> Turn on a play and you'll love him. Turn on a, it's, a, it's a first round undraftable. First round undraftable. <laughs> That's a guy with variance. Oh my god. Woo. And and as a five year starter, it makes it very even more interesting See, to contextualize. Yeah, that's you know you talked about does age matter and it, it, were he like this at twenty one with Hooker? Um, if you're a five year starter and you're still struggling with that stuff, it's like mm, don't know. Can we get out of our own way here or not? Yeah, I I agree completely. Dave, do you have anything for Doug before we fire away? Ah, I just want to say thank you for coming on. This has been interesting discussion. We will see how this drops. But if you had to pick one spot, where do you think Hooker gets drafted? First, second, third round? Second. High to mid-second. I have alternated between giving him to the Saints and the Buccaneers in the second round in my mocks. Um, now the Viking, when, when Tyler, when you reached out to me and like, well, actually the Vikings are a really interesting fit for him in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. because one thing I'll say, you go back to the way, uh, O'Connell likes to motion his receivers into disadvantageous situations for the defense. That's not a spread concept, but it's sort of a pseudo spread idea, which, and Kyle Shanahan is the best at this because there's two kinds of motion. There's motion to indicate there's motion to disrupt. Mm-hmm. O'Connell was using motion to disrupt, to mess up a defense. And that's a lot of what Tennessee does. So when we say spread, air raid, you know, veer, whatever we want to call it, one of the things you're trying to do if you're a smart offensive coach is put defenses in positions where we can't really guard this guy. And whether you're doing it by stretching guys out in a field that's wider than an NFL field or with motion, with formation, however you want to do it, um, a lot of play action, obviously, a lot of motion, obviously. Um, 
I, and I thought, boy, that that's it's not entirely dissimilar. I think if O'Connell sits down, is he visiting Minnesota? Do you know if they have like a thing set up? Um, I have a tracker up at vikingswire.com right now, and I have not seen anything where that he has a scheduled visit. There yeah, is what? rumor of it, but it's also it could be subterfuge that uh, they're not going to keep him on the list because they love him. Who knows? He's going to Green uh, Bay, though. Oh, there you go. Uh, I would say that if O'Connell and Hooker sat down and O'Connell tried to impress upon Hooker the fundamental principles of his passing game, I don't think Cooker would look at it and go, uh, that's Greek to me, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, that that's good news that the Vikings end up taking him. Thank you very much for joining again, Doug. Yeah. And as we always say, Dave, Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Skull. Like. Subscribe. And ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community. And we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! <laughs>